This is this is this is the new norm for podcasting for us. This is tremendous in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, We're I know. Still learning as we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Tremendous. We're here with a new episode, and today we're interviewing Brady. Hey, everybody. I'm Brady. Yeah. In case you didn't know. And, I, and I'm Kat, local plant lady. <laughs> yeah, so we're it's today we're interviewing you instead of talking about plants, and I'm actually really excited for this episode. You were very excited at this idea, and then you just kind of willed it into existence. Yeah, well, I told you we were going to do it, and you're like, no. And I was like, um... Excuse me? <laughs> well, you know, I don't like talking about myself. I know. But then I showed you the questions and you're on board and now you're very excited. I could tell. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I didn't mean to hesitate and sound bummed. I just realized I had the wrong notes open. So I wasn't actually looking at my answers and I was like, well, not my answers, but like what I expect to be talking Some about. Notes. So I was like, wait a mm-hmm. minute. What, what, what am I saying? I, well, I think this is this is mostly this topic is very selfish for me because I feel like I don't accurately describe what you do well. And I want to be able to explain it to people. When I tell people you do mobile app design, they're like, Oh, and then we continue on. I'm like, yep, that's all I know too. That's all I know. So the next time somebody (laughs) asks you what I do for a living, you're going to be like, "Mm, let me send you this podcast episode and you can hear for yourself. Right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited and let's just jump right into into it. So, Mr. Valentino, what the fuck do you do for a living? What the fuck do I do for a living? Well, whenever people ask me this question, I like to jokingly say that what I do is just move colored rectangles around a computer screen. Because mm-hmm. that is like a very simplified description of what I actually do. Um, But what I am is a mobile app designer and occasional front-end website developer at a company called Steam Clock Software here in Vancouver. Oh, yay. No, okay. Color palettes are very important. And I feel like to us, we're we're both really like really into like color theory. So like, I don't know, whenever I see a good color combo, I'm like, look at this. This looks amazing. And you're always like, Yep, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, well, you, well, you simplify it quite a bit, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're both very interested in color, which is nice to give mm-hmm. us something to to talk about on a regular basis, especially like as we're now into the engagement phase of a relationship and talking about a wedding and talking about colors and design and schemes. And mm-hmm. you send me so many photos. I'm like, oh, you know, what would go good with this color is this other color. Mm-hmm. I think I know what I want our wedding colors to be. Well, we can, that could be a whole other off-topic episode. I know, right? Well, let's move on. So I, to me, mobile design, mm-hmm. don't know anything about it. So like, what is the difference between designing an app and a website? Like, is it like super similar or is it totally different game change? Um, it's, there's, there's some overlap. There's also a lot of differences. Uh, apps are meant to be interactive. You know, you don't open an app mm-hmm. and only look at it. It's not like watching a video, you know, like you're interacting with at least something on the screen, uh, when you open mm-hmm. an app, whereas if a website is more like a video is very static. You're essentially just consuming what is being presented to you as a user. Um, A comparison I like to use is an app is like a grocery store and a website is like an elevator. So like if you can imagine uh, you get into an elevator, you press a button and the very next thing is you're getting off on your floor. It's a lot like you go to a (laughs) website or you go to your web browser, you open up a website and you read the content on the website and then you're done. Yeah. Um, whereas an app, like, you know, you go into a grocery store and there's a bunch of different things that can be done and they can be done in any order. And every time you go to a grocery store is different than the time you've been there before. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That's the way I like to look at it. Yeah, it does make sense. So is it more complicated to design an app or is it less work than designing a website? I think it's it's more work to design an app, there's a lot more that goes into it. There's a lot more of a focus on what the user experience is going to be. Us trying to mm-hmm. be conscious of what a user is going to be doing, why they're going to the app, what 
they want to do, what we want to help them do. Um, but I think in a lot of cases, websites are harder to design. It's really hard to design a good website experience. It's going to work everywhere a user can consume it. So like mm-hmm. uh, a computer with a big screen or a laptop with a medium screen or a phone with a tiny screen. And then mm-hmm. what information we need to provide to the user and then what they do from there. So like something that's really common or something that came up recently, I should say, is we were looking at the analytics for the Steam Clock website and seeing where people came to when they went to the website, how that aligned with what our initial goals were, and then what they did once they got to the website. And the way our homepage is laid out is we have like an introduction and we talk a little bit about our services, like what services we provide. And then we give like a little bit of an intro to the work we've done. And then you can click through to view more about our services or you can click through to learn more about our work. And we have it set up in such a way that we imagine the user comes to the website. They may not know who we are. And they think, oh, this is a this is a, a nice website. I wonder what this company does. So they scroll down a little bit and they see what we do. And then they go to that page that's more in-depth about what we do. And then from that page, we say, hey, why don't you check out what we've done for these companies we've worked with? And then they go to that mm-hmm. page. And then you know we give a bunch of work examples and background on some of our projects. And then it's like, hey, if you like what you're looking at, why don't you contact us and see if we can help you with you know an app or something that you want to make. Mm-hmm. I always check your guys' website periodically. It just looks so nice. I'm very happy to hear you say that. There's a lot of uh, a lot of work, obviously, but a lot of thought that went into uh-huh. literally every single pixel on the screen. Like, uh huh. I know you can tell. You know how how big we want this thing to be, where we want this to be, what color we want this to be, and what message we want the text to convey, or like what tone we want this message to be read in. That shit is uh, curated, you could say. It's extremely curated and it's never ending. Like I work on, I I Uh do at least one thing to the Steam Clock website every single day. Like, I guess you could argue that like there, there's only so far you can push an app, but a website could be tenfolding constantly. Yeah. There's a whole other process to app development where... Part of the flow is we do a bunch of design that has to then be signed off by both us internally and then our client. And then we mm-hmm. build out the design and then the client signs off on, you know, it works the way we want it to. There's nothing confusing. Uh, there's nothing we don't actually like after seeing it in production. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, then we refine it ourselves and we try to make it a little bit better. But then we submit it to Apple or Google to get on the the app store or the play store and then they have to do their own review so it's like a i guess a 70 no no that's uh, that would be a complete lie whatever numbers i applied to that but there's (laughs) there's stuff to the process that is out of our control and out of our client's control so like whenever we want to change anything we have to be conscious of that whereas with the website if we want to change something we can just go and change it you know, can you just like build an app and not have it be on Google Play Store and or the Apple Store and get it on your phone, or is that not an option? It's an. Does option. it have to go through? The- it, it is an option. It's a lot easier on an Android phone to get an app that's not on oh, the okay. Play Store. I guess that kind of makes sense. I feel like Apple's a lot more locked down. Yeah, it's but- it's getting harder to do it on an iPhone. There's a really mm-hmm. uh, good tool that was made in Vancouver, actually called Buddy Build which basically yeah. let you send an app to anyone you wanted to. Like the the primary use case for it was we're building an app and we need to send it to people to test. And it's a tool uh-huh. we still use, but it was purchased by Apple. So they're in the process of shutting it down and replacing it with their own thing, which I can only assume isn't going to be as open as that was. So that's like one less way that you'll be able to get an app yeah. that's not on an iPhone. But like anyone building their own app can just install it on their device. That makes me think that we might be missing out on some really great apps. Like if we have to, if someone, okay, you view it as like building an app is like artwork. If we have this limiting route to getting it to people's phones, that kind of has to bottleneck what exactly we can consume. Like, you know what I mean? Like 
there could be some really good people who have really good ideas, but they don't have the funds. Do you have to pay? Like you, they might not have the funds to build it or. Yeah, you, you do have to pay to submit to Apple. It's a hundred dollars oh. a year. Oh, that's not bad. It's, that's it's, not as bad as I thought. I mean, if you're a single person and you're making an app. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot given how much it takes, like how much time and effort it takes to build an app where you otherwise mm-hmm. couldn't be making money, like having a regular job or like yeah. you're, you're designing an app that isn't really meant to make money. So how do you get back that a hundred dollars, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, it can be a big barrier to entry. Whereas I don't think there's a fee to submit to Google. Mm-hmm. That's all. And designing an app is different than building an app, right? Yes, that's right. So I, okay. my, I shouldn't say my primary focus because it sounds like I have multiple focuses, but my only focus for an app is the design of it. Um, yeah. The look and feel, uh, how it works, what the user experience is going to be. We spend a lot of time thinking of creating pathways. Like, yeah, but not just creating them, but like thinking about what the pathway could or should or a user may want it to be. Because you um, sent me, you sent me screenshots that look like a flight path. You know, yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if there's a real word for what that screen you show you showed me is, but that's the prototype. Well, it's like the overview of what the prototype is. Okay, and that's kind of a part of building the app is yeah, creating we spend best pathways. Yeah, not necessarily the best, but we spend a lot of time thinking about what we want a user to see when they load the app where we want them to go from there and then like what the most important screens are. Mm-hmm. So like an example is a client we're working with right now, we're building uh, a shopping app, an e-commerce app for their brand. Um, and part of our process was figuring out what the user should see on the home screen when they load the app, like what should take priority, but also what is what are the most important features to a user who may want to use this app instead of just going to the website. So identifying that and then making it easy to get to those. Mm-hmm. So like the easiest uh, way on uh, an iOS app is a tab bar at the bottom. Oh, okay. Um, which is in our app, it's the four most important screens. Uh, and for this client, hopefully I can just say this. It's uh, the br- like browsing the shop, uh, viewing all the mm-hmm. recipes they provide, viewing your mm-hmm. upcoming shipments from stuff you've purchased in the past, and then oh. your account details if you need to make any changes. Gotcha. Um, and then deciding what is the most important things to display on that screen and what can be sent to like another screen behind an additional tap. And like mm-hmm. kind of minimizing how much work a user needs to do to get to the things they need or want to see the most. And like, do you ever just, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, if there's a lot of assumptions in the beginning before we have any data from users actually using the app. And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're not. You know, do you ever just like open an app and be like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, this does not function at all. Every day. Every and cast day. a little bit of judgment, like, who? build this app. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a regular thing for me and it's why one of my mm-hmm. like most favorite non-working activities is redesigning apps that I use in ways that I think could be better, which is also like kind of insulting to the app because <laughs> I don't know any of the it context is. or the decision making that went into why a thing is the way it is. I just know that I personally don't like it. It is a little insulting, but sometimes I open up a website and I swear to God, it's been the same way since the 1990s. Like, like does not function. Everything's to the left. Oh my God, it drives me nuts. So you think it doesn't function, but it clearly functions for enough, enough. people for them to yeah. think, you know what? We don't really need to invest in changing this. But the thing is, is like, if I'm using an app or I'm on a website and it's just, it doesn't function well for me, I will go as far as like not going to the restaurant or whatever. Cause I'm like this, this stuff does like, they can't portray what they're trying to do well. So why would I even bother engaging in their content or buying their products? I know what you mean. I'm currently on my, on my phone using three different podcast apps because Mm -hmm. I like the way all of them do certain things and hate the way all of them do every other thing in the app, which is why like my current off work fun activity is designing my own like fanciful podcast app. What would you name it? I would name it Peapod. 
Peapod. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Made by Tremendous. Oh my God. That'd be so cute. That would be cute. I don't have any knowledge for how to build it. I've tried looking into it and it was super hard. So now I just, I designed mm-hmm. this podcast app that has literally three screens because that's all my ideal podcast app needs. Well, if you could just have it on your phone, would, could that be a possibility? That would be enough for me. Yes. Okay. But like if I were to get to the point where I could build it to myself or build it for myself, then why not release it for other people who may mm-hmm. want like a similar experience? Yeah. Something simple and does what you think a podcast app should do. More importantly, doesn't do things that I think are overrated in other podcast apps. Okay. Okay. But th- that's a whole, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> Another off-topic tremendous that, episode. That's, that's part of being a designer is that you're extremely opinionated about everything. Mm-hmm. Well, so from what I know about you, I kind of know how you got into, I don't know, what you call it, the tech industry or where, whatever. Industry, yeah. Okay. How, but could you explain briefly how you got into it and also elaborate on like, is that a common path for people who work in the industry or what is the more common path to the point you're at? Well, I'll start by saying, I don't think my path is very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts in high school as all great stories do. Absolutely. Uh, I was somewhat of an athlete in high school. I played soccer. Uh, I played other sports. was never really into computers, probably because computers weren't a big thing. Back then, like the, I guess the internet yeah. was kind of starting out. Um, right. But I had a, a, a really bad knee injury uh, and had to stop playing soccer and discovered that the computer I had at home had Photoshop on it. And so I had heard of Photoshop. I didn't really know what it was, but I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to check out this Photoshop thing that people are talking about. And it kind of started there. I got super interested in. Uh, the app itself and what it could do. And I started with designing graphics uh, for online forums and message Mm -hmm. boards and stuff, and then got into photo editing. And then I don't remember exactly how, but became extremely interested in designing websites. And my stepdad at the time owned... Okay, not my stepdad at the time. He's still my stepdad. But at the time, (laughs) he owned a web hosting company. And uh-huh. so this was like my first kind of job was designing websites for his hosting clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did that for a couple of years. And then in 2008, the Apple released the iPhone and the entire industry pivoted to apps and you know what, mm-hmm. what the capabilities of this new device could be. And as we've seen since right. then... It's kind of exploded and now everyone has an app. Everyone has a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like the industry has kind of moved on since then as well. Not that website design doesn't still happen, but I think a lot of people at some point... It's a lot more accessible. Yeah. And I think, yeah, a lot of people have pivoted to doing mobile app design. They may not still do it, um, but you know, anyone... I th- I think who has an interest in design has dabbled with both mobile design and web design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my path. I I taught myself everything as I went along. I took one, I think it was digital media design. I think it was called one class in high school, which was like just a semester. That's a pretty cool class. It was a pretty cool class. My yeah. fondest memory of it is listening to a new Eminem album in class. <laughs> so I don't know how much how much work we actually got done. Um, but my final project for that class was redesigning the school's website. Like oh. redesigning and rebuilding the school's website, which they went on to use for a couple of years. And now, oh. I don't know if it still is, but like for a while, that was part of the class. Mm-hmm. Was somebody yeah. who was in Had a to design the website? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's my journey, my my background. I think what's much more common is people get some interest in design at some point in their life, and then go to college and expand their knowledge, and then end up mm-hmm. in the industry. Um, but that's not something I can speak to because it's not something I ever did. Yeah, I feel like. Do you think like most of the people you work with at Steam Clock had kind of a more unique 
pathway to where they're working now? Or is it just like, oh yeah, we went to college, da 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 blah, 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 blah. <laughs> From what you honest, know. I'm not sure. I know at least half the people I work with went to college for yeah. what they do. It could even be more of them. It could even be all of them. Yeah. Um, for all I know. But the thing that I love about design and app development, I guess, in general, is, is something that you can learn yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to go to college and I'm not suggesting anyone should or shouldn't go to college, but if mm-hmm. you have the time to dedicate to it, you can learn everything you need to know um, just by yourself. Obviously that's a lot harder as an adult because you need to be working somewhere. <laughs> you need to be making a living. Right. It would be a lot easier as like a high schooler, for example. You can learn so much shit off of YouTube. It's amazing. Yeah, YouTube and just Googling. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it exists. If if you the information's know out there, what to search for, then you know the sky's the limit. Everything is on Google. Like every question that anyone has ever had about designer mm-hmm. development has been asked by someone else at some point, and you can find it yeah. on Google. That's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, what is one surprising thing about your work that most people don't it doesn't have to be specifically about steam clock or or it could be about just design work in general for websites and i guess this is also true for like the development side of things but it's the amount of googling that goes into getting things done <laughs> i use google every day at work too to be honest i know but if you were to think about what the people what what i and the people i work with do you would imagine that we know enough about what we're doing to be able to do it. You know, I don't think people <laughs> realize how much time is spent on Google and how much Learning trial and error goes into like getting one specific thing to work. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, as an example, we were launching a website for this uh, brand we have that we use to publish a game we've made in like the final review phase uh, Alan and I had like this crazy idea of a, a nice, uh, nice isn't the right word, but this really funky effect that could happen when you scroll the page. Yeah. Um, which led to me being like, yeah, I could probably figure it out, which led to <laughs> me being, you know, spending some time on Google and getting absolutely nowhere. And then uh-huh. asking, uh, JD, who, you know, um, who is uh-huh. a, like a proper front end full-time web developer, like me asking him, Hey, not that I want you to tell me how to do this, but like if you could just point me into the general direction and I can figure it out on my own, that would be great. Yeah. Which then leads to me and him on a screen share for two and a half hours trying to figure it out because neither of us has any idea how to do it. And like uh, Googling little code snippets and just like writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting the same code over and over again until it finally works. Right. Did you guys get it to work? We got it to work. Ooh, ooh. We don't get to launch the website with it because. Oh it, no! Uh, the the effect works, but yeah, it, there's Wasn't a the lot vision. of yeah, there's a lot of design trade offs that come mm-hmm. with like making it the part of the full experience. And because I'm not the one that designed the website, I didn't feel comfortable making all those changes. Okay, like making all those decisions. And the other designer was on vacation at the time, so oh, Alan okay. and I were we just agreed to like let's just put the site out as it is, and then. We can work on mm-hmm. making, you know, integrating this fun thing later on. Well, now you can teach someone how to do that. Now that you've gone yeah, through the experience now, of learning. Or I know that it's surprisingly easy. Right. That's good. See, I feel like you can't really... Okay, there are definitely books written about your industry. But I yeah. feel like you learn the best if someone's... If you had a guru guiding you through it like that, you could be yeah. a guru for someone. No, JD is my guru when it comes to website things. So you're you're like baby guru and someday you'll be regular guru guru. That would be nice. I don't know if I'll ever get to his level. He's just, he's just too, he's too good at what he does. <laughs> Shout out to JD. JD the true homie. Uh-huh. Okay, friend, so that friend of the show. Oh, we love him. <laughs> um, okay. Go ahead. I was going to say like a you asked a, a surprising thing that most people don't know. And I gave an yeah. answer about websites, but there's for like app design part of things. I think something that most people don't consider 
is the amount of thought that goes into every little change you make to a screen mm-hmm. and like what the ripple effects are for changing one button or one line of text or one interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, on this commerce app we're working on, we have an area where you pull up your account details and then you pull up your order history and then you view the details of the order and then you can view the product. And what we found was you could end up in a loop where you're going from your account to your orders, to the detail, to the product, to the detail, to a product, to a different product, to the cart, to a different product. And it could just be never ending. Sounds exhausting. And so we had to evaluate what change we could make that still allowed you to get to viewing that product without ending up in this endless loop. And Mm -hmm. every decision we came to had some other pitfall where it's like, if we do this, then you can't add the next thing to the cart. Or if you do this, then you can't get to the cart. Or if we just change this button, then you can't actually edit the product. Or if you do this, then you can't Uh reorder the product on a new order without going all the way back to the very beginning and going to a different screen. It's like building a puzzle. Like there's certain shape limitations, but you like, there's a, like a finished product, but it can only look a certain way. Yeah. Uh, so not a good explanation. It, 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 it's like a half good explanation, right? Because there's only one way to build a puzzle. Like there's mm-hmm. only pieces only fit in one place mm-hmm. in a puzzle, right? Which isn't necessarily the same with design. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a better example. Something I was thinking before I had more knowledge about it was Sudoku, which yeah. I thought could have multiple solutions turned out not to be true because I didn't understand it. But like when I was doing Sudoku in the past before I knew the full extent of the rules and we don't have to get into how dumb I am, but I would, (laughs) I would complete a puzzle that didn't have any duplication in lines, but Uh still wasn't the correct solution. And I thought, Oh, there's just multiple ways you can do this. No. Um, Turns out that the quadrant has to have only one number as well, which I didn't realize. Got it. But it, okay. it's similar to that in that there is multiple Sudoku solutions. Sudoku is a puzzle. It is a puzzle. And there's multiple solutions using the pieces you have at your disposal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can't okay, think of so a, a, a viable metaphor for it. What's something that's really mundane about your work that people don't know about? It could be literally whatever you think. Like, oh, I have to fucking log into this one website all the time, blah, 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 blah. Or something like charging all my devices is so... Charging all my devices is annoying. I don't know if I can call it... a lot of devices. Yeah, well, we don't have to get into that. It's just personal, okay? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I feel like, like Googling my problems over and over again is pretty mundane. Why not make uh, a search engine that's geared only towards answering app problems and website building problems? Does I it mean, exist or is it there's just... There's a website that exists called Stack Overflow, which oh. is where like 90% of the answers on Google are pulled from. Come from? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know... What, because, like if I think of it, someone's already thought of it. I'm trying to think. Like there isn't... Mm-hmm. There isn't really anything that's mundane which i think is a good thing yeah like yeah there's things that are repetitive repetitive did i say that right did i say that right both times did i just repeat myself for no reason was i just unnecessarily repetitive repetitive. it was (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know i don't really have a good answer for this i mean there's like you know things that annoy me that i'm just too lazy to figure out a solution for Mm-hmm. Like if I restart my computer, then I can't automatically push a change to the Steam Clock website because I have to re-authenticate with our code repository, uh, which is called mm-hmm. GitHub. Um, and there's probably like a way I can just automatically have that authenticated. But like mm-hmm. sometimes I won't realize I've restarted my computer and then I'll I'll make a change in the code and then I'll be like, push. And then it'll be like, no, we don't trust you, sir. And I'll be like, oh, Fuck right! I have to I have to go to the terminal, and oh, I have to God. add uh, my secret key to the keychain, and then GitHub is going to check to make sure that that matches my account, and then it's going to let me push it. That but sounds like, pretty annoying. If I were to just 
take five minutes and figure out how to have that permanently added, it would solve my problem, but I can't be bothered because it's, it's like a, Oh, I guess I'll quickly, you know, type this thing that's already in my history of things I've typed before. It takes two key uh-huh. presses. Mm-hmm. I get that. So how do you think coronavirus has affected your work? Like you now work from home full yeah. time. Yes. Where before you were doing a really long commute, I feel like it's affected it in so many ways, but luckily not in the way of you haven't lost work to do. Like you're both very lucky to have a job still, but it's yeah. definitely affected. And you're used to working. You've worked at home before. So like, yeah, we've how- talked on this podcast about how much I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, like you said, I'm really lucky that my work wasn't interrupted at all. Mm-hmm. Like it's just one day I wasn't going to the office anymore. Yeah. And I think that's probably because at Steam Clock, we were already as a company working from home every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So everyone was already kind of set up to do it. So when yeah. it became obvious and then mandatory that we weren't going to be able to go into the office, people were already kind of ready to be working from home. And uh-huh. like, you know, I'm sure most, if not everyone at the company has gone back to the office at some point to get some stuff from their desk to make their work from home setup, you know, a bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit more what they've wanted it to be. So like as for the effects of COVID on my work, there hasn't really been any other than like working from home sucks. Yeah. You and guys are still it. pulling in clients though, right? Yeah. Well, there's, we were at the start of COVID, we were at, in a bit of a predicament where the majority of our business was coming from financial companies, which uh, took like an immediate hit. And we were kind of concerned about what the yeah. long-term business relationship would be like from there. But luckily uh, everything is still going well. We still brought in new clients. You know, we wrapped up one client, uh, one design client right before quarantine started. And we started uh, like our now biggest client since COVID has started. Mm-hmm. Um, like in terms of, of workload and timeline, they're the biggest in, uh, client we've signed from like an initial work order standpoint um so the business is is still going things are fine you know i think everybody has a bit of concerns about how long we'll be able to do this or what the business will look like the longer this goes on but it's kind of unpredictable in a sense yeah we don't know how long this is going to go on and things i don't know i feel like things are changing so fast that we you know, we can't really plan a wedding because we don't know what it's going to look like next year. Or yeah. Like and like that. things are still changing every day. You know, the situation right. is it fluctuates. Right. And there's only so much you can do to prepare for it before you've like, you know, r- use too much bubble wrap around yourself mm-hmm. and now you can't move, you know? Right. Um, so I've, I think we as a company, we just, we, we take things started out day by day. Now I think it's more week by week and we're constantly evolving how we work. Um, and how we adapt to the new reality. I will say though, you know what? No, I won't even say that. Like I was going to say, it's nice <laughs> to not have to take transit for two hours every single day to get to. That's a lot work. of transit. But I would trade it to be working in the office again. Oh, that's a new development I have not heard about. <laughs> there's there's some days where... You miss walking outside? I would too. I I do miss being outside. I abs- I didn't realize how much I missed the office before I went there to get some stuff for my desk. And the second mm-hmm. I walked through the door, I was like, "Fuck!" It's like home. Like it, just, it hits home away from so home. Hard, like yeah. You know, I sent you the blog post Alan wrote about uh-huh. how how his life has changed since COVID started. But like, just reading about how much time and thought went into us designing the office and then moving into it and then having it ripped away from us. Like I got really emotional reading that post and like just remembering, you know, how nice it was to be around everybody, how nice it was Mm -hmm. to like freely talk to everybody, but just right. Like being in the office and collaborating and joking around and having fun and seeing everybody. It's also important to have separation from home and work. And I feel like home is distracting. Home is for leisure. So when you're working in your leisure spot, it kind of like flips the environment. But you're lucky enough to have an office separate from other parts of your home. I do. But like until recently, I was... So yes, I I have an office at home and I have a gaming 
PC at my desk. And until recently, I've just been using the gaming PC to work from um, mm-hmm. because everything I need to do my work is available. It's on a Mac. It's on a PC. I just use a PC. And I realized that over time, my productivity has been going down. My concentration and my focus has been suffering. And mm-hmm. I couldn't really figure out why. But this week, instead of working from the PC, I've been working from my old MacBook, which is now set up specifically for work and nothing else. Like I can't see which of my friends are online playing video games. You know, I can't be like, I am probably just, I'm gonna, for the better. I'm take a quick work break and, you know, fire up Rocket League for 15 minutes. Like I can't do that anymore. And I feel like this week has been my most productive week in a while. Oh, that's good. Glad to hear. So like, okay. yeah, it's, it's nice to have an office. It's also dangerous because even though I'm now juggling two different computers, like I'm using one for work and one for pleasure, it's still the same desk. You know, it's still mm-hmm. the same view. It's still the same corner I'm looking at right. all day. Okay. I got a question for you. Okay. Hit me. When has tech gone too far? Tech has gone too far when Brady Valentino has four mobile phones and buys a fifth. Oh, it's just, that's kind so of a tech, recent update. Tech went too far today. <laughs> <laughs> Not the self-driving car, but the multiple phone usage. <laughs> I think the self-driving car is an important development in I think so technology too. and automobiles. Even though, it, yeah, it may still have its issues, but it, as we move into the future, that will be, I think, quite mm-hmm. an important development and one we shouldn't be afraid of. Do you think the like face recognition is a little too far for phones? Like just like these companies having this type of data. This, okay. So this is, this can turn into a large tangent, but I think there's a misunderstanding Yeah. about what data exists and who has access to it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't speak as effectively to the Android or the Google side of things, but face ID on the iPhone does not transmit any facial data. It doesn't keep a copy of what you look like. It doesn't send that to anyone. Nobody is watching the camera when you use it. There is no recording of the <laughs> camera when you use it. Because what the the facial recognition on the iPhone is, it's it's an infrared scanner. Yeah. So like it when when that camera activates, when you tell the device you want to unlock it using your face, it blasts some number of little dots on your face. And then it Mm -hmm. determines whether those dots match the 3D map that has been provided to it. That's interesting. And everything is kept on the device and cannot ever be removed from the device. Okay. And because it's measuring a 3D projection, it means, for example, you can't hold up a photo and expect the device to unlock. You know, you would I, need a full I generally thought you render of a person's face. To that speak. makes a lot more sense than what I thought what they were doing. And also like, God, I have so many customers who like, they don't want to type in their password. So they'll use the facial recognition, but they have to pull down their face mask while we're at the register. And I'm like, I'm standing so close to you. Keep your mask on. Just type in your password. That is a problem. I, I've been, yeah. so as I've been using the MacBook again this week, I've been using mm-hmm. the iPhone again, which I also told you about this morning. Yeah. Um, but for the first time, I actually put my SIM card in it and then took it out of the house when I went uh-huh. on a walk. And every time I tried to unlock it, it just, it wouldn't because of the mask. And it was extremely frustrating, which is such a first world problem. Like it's not something that I should be complaining about, but like, it's probably the reason why the new phones Google announced today don't have facial recognition. Like it's all, Mm -hmm. they, they went back to fingerprint sensors. Yeah. And I feel like that, that probably has something to do with it. It's probably not the main reason. I'm sure there's cost or technology reasons, right. um, but that probably contributes to it, I think. Do you ever get sick of fixing my tech problems? No, literally never. I know that... Because I am the best fiance you could possibly you, ask for. You are the best. And I feel like when we first met, I was like, I would like try really hard to work on something and like it won't work. And I'd be like, Brady, I need help. And you'd literally like swoop in and do something very similar to what I did. And then it fixes. 
or you have such a simple, you're like, oh, you just need to like do this or that. And I'm like, what the fuck? And now I don't even try. I'm like, babe, this doesn't work. Help me. I I have two points to talk about on this. One of them is one of it's, it's going to sound incredibly arrogant to call it a superpower, but like my superpower for lack of a better term, isn't Googling things. It's knowing what to Google. Ooh, good. You know, like anybody can search something on the internet, but if you don't know what to search, it's, it's rare that you're going to find the solution to what you're looking for. Yeah. Everyone has the tools, but it's knowing how to use them. Exactly. Like we, you and I have the exact same resources. Right. Uh, And again, not to sound arrogant, but you could say I have more experience or more knowledge or whatever. No, you definitely do. Making one minor change in the Google search string leads to the solution, for example. Mm -hmm. And the second point, going back to the beginning of the relationship and your lack of technology (laughs) is when we first started uh, dating, I was like, Hey, do you, do you want to just message over WhatsApp? And you're like, what's WhatsApp? Like, I've never heard of that. Like this was, and still is the most popular messaging app on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) And you had no idea what it was. I'm like, why don't we just text? That blew my mind. Yeah. You're like, send me an SMS. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder why I can't remember why we switched over to Facebook messenger but I don't know. We did. Uh, I switched time from, on WhatsApp. I switched from iPhone to Android. And I think you lost the data or something. Yeah. My first, there was two problems. One of them is that my WhatsApp chat history wouldn't transfer. Yeah. And then also for some reason, my phone number got locked out of WhatsApp and I could not authenticate oh. my account and I could just never mm-hmm. get back into it. Anytime Brady suggests that we switch apps, I get really pissy about it. And then now I'm like, I'm never going back. I don't even like Facebook Messenger that much. The only benefit is that literally every person on the planet has access to Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. Like my mom doesn't have a cell phone, but I can talk to her on Facebook Messenger. Right. Whereas any of these other, you know, fancy new uh, messaging apps require a mobile phone number mm-hmm. to get set up. And I also feel like if someone sends me a text, it kind of gets like lost in my text. If someone sends me a Facebook Messenger, that fucking bubble pops up, and I have to physically remove it to like yeah, you love get it off bubbles. the screen. I keep your bubble up all the time. I don't have bubbles turned on. Interesting. I don't. Interesting. Like Why is that? I don't like them. Really? I I don't like. What Facebook would you do? Messenger a square version of them? No, it's not anything to do with the shape. Not anything to it's do just, with the design. It's, it's just out of yourself, like. The new version of Android, Android 11, has like a system version of the bubbles, mm-hmm. which I like a little better than the Facebook version, but Facebook Messenger doesn't work with it yet. Okay. But when they do, I might use the bubbles. Okay. This is a surprise question, but if you could go back in time and be a part of the, these specific tech startup companies, would you? And your choices are Apple. So like right when the iPhone was released, Facebook, after it moved from being the right, the hottest chick to the actual. So, and then Google at the birth of Google, what would you pick to be a part of that team? It has to be one of those companies at one of those times. Yes. It's hard because with hindsight, the only one of those companies I would want to work at would be Apple. Okay. But I know people who worked at Facebook before and after it went public, and I know how much money they made from it. And it's, <laughs> it's really hard to say anything other than early days Facebook and then cashing out when they went public. Like just I would pick Google purely for greed reasons. Like I don't, I definitely don't want to work at Facebook. I have zero interest in working oh, for that. No, company. that sounds horrible. <laughs> Google is like, it's like the next best choice like mm-hmm. i'm sure it's a fun place to work even though i have personal history with uh google and shadiness another which, episode which affects my thinking of it whereas apple is apple is kind of like the asshole of the companies and that they're like we're going to do it our way and if you don't like that yeah. then you're not going to use our products mm-hmm. but apple is also like the champion of user privacy yeah. And Facebook certainly is not. 
Oh, goodness. And, and Google no. kind of is not either because their entire business model is based around collecting personal data so that they can serve you ads. Yes, but I don't know. I just have a thing with Google. They're just they're so fucking easy to use. You're a Google like, fan girl. Okay, I am. Okay, okay, but what about the iPad? Oh, God. It's, you love that fucking iPad, don't you? I do love the iPad quite a bit, but I don't know. It's just something like being able to like log on to a new computer with my Gmail and then having like me just being able to use my phone to just be like, yeah, she's cool. She's that, that's cat. Let her in. It's I mean, so simple. You were into the Apple ecosystem though, you have the same thing. I just, I don't know. I would pick Google. I would probably pick Apple. Well, like I said, for purely greed reasons, yeah. I would, I'd, pick Facebook and then cash out when they went public. But for like actually joining and making a difference at a company, it would probably be Apple. Mm-hmm. I think they've done since that time, the most interesting things in the technology space. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Okay. So like outside of those three that I just gave you examples of, what would, would you, did you have another thing in mind? Of like a company to go back in time and work for? Yeah. At their like peak, like emergence. Like part of me feels like you would really like to work for NASA. I'm not allowed to work for NASA. Oh yeah, that's right. You have I'm to be sorry, an American babe. citizen. I would absolutely love to work for NASA. We'll, we'll get you there one day. Maybe. I don't know maybe. what I could do for NASA though. Design a new logo. That no. is an iconic logo. It is, but I'm also, I'm not really a brand designer. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Sure. I mean, I designed the tremendous <laughs> logo and I'm extremely proud of it. I love it. And people ask me what it is all the time. I'm like, my man made it. Da, 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 da. You can't get any better. I'm trying to think of other mm-hmm. technology companies or startups. Like I'm looking at my phone now. Like Uber, even though we I don't really like Uber or like McDonald's, even though that's not like a tech company, but like just like going back in time to like some of the most like pivotal moments okay. for these large corporations. Oh, we got one. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of them, but a company called Slack. That's the messaging com- thing that don't you use? Sorry. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it messaging, <laughs> but uh, communication for teams. Yeah. They're, they were also uh, started in Vancouver and I'm sort of kind of maybe friendly with their first and longtime designer, but that's a mm-hmm. company that exploded in popularity yeah. when they came out. Uh, a product that I've been using since it released a product I really love to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a product that I have like, you know, personal things I don't really like about it. Things I wish they did a little differently, but beyond right. that, I just think like this is, this is a company that identified something they didn't like about tools they were using for team communication in the past and thought, yeah, why don't we try doing our own version of it? Mm-hmm. And then it became extremely popular, extremely fast and had a massive influx of new users and then a massive influx in revenue. And I think it would have been both interesting and crazy to have been working for them at that time. Yeah, to have like, like an insider. How do you iterate on text communication? How do you make text communication better? At the end of the day, it's still text. Right. Right. It's so like thinking about it. With that lens, like what could you have done to make it easier for person A to communicate with person B while they're working on object Y? I feel like that's just kind of the baseline for why people are making apps. So like you want your podcast app because you're not getting what you want out of what's on the market. So like if you find where something is lacking and you go and you build there, that's how like not a path to success, but kind of the best way to do it it can be a path to success though yeah there's so many startups that are formed these days and their entire elevator pitches we're gonna be you know this is a really bad example but like we're gonna be uber but for dogs yeah you know Mm -hmm. like so many things so many startups say we like the way this thing works but we want to do it for this group instead Mm. Um, hold on one sec. Oh, are we having technical difficulties? I just got to work text, but it was like really long. So I was like, what the heck do I need to respond right now? No, but we're good. Everything okay? Yep. Someone just had broke their key. And so I need to fix that. Oh, oh, I know firsthand how fucking frustrating frustrating that is. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, so oh. Uber for dogs could be a thing. Maybe Uber for dogs. Okay, I got another question for you. Hit me. You ready for it? Okay. Oh, so what what is something you wish to change about office life? Or where do you think there needs to be improvement? This doesn't have to even apply to specifically the office that you work in now. Like what about an office environment do you wish was different? Um, there's two things I would change, and they're both schedule related. The the first thing would be four day work week. For I agree. Um, because of the way the calendar lined up for 2020, June had five weeks this year. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I took off every Monday in June and had five straight long weekends. And everything about that month was better than everything else this year, just from like a, a mental headspace mm -hmm. point of view. Like it, I felt so much better coming back to work, having that extra day off to unwind after the weekend, you know, like right now, everyone has a two day weekend, right? Yeah. And you spend Saturday getting into the the rhythm of the weekend. And then you spend Sunday getting back in the headspace for work. You don't really have time to like actually have a weekend in between, you know, whereas with the third day, you can have that entire day to just do whatever you want. And you can still spend all of the, the final day getting back in the headspace for work. But having that that one extra day makes such a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Four on or four on and three off is, I think, the ideal work week. I physically, well, like, okay, I work five days a week. Yeah, I'm and I'm standing the whole time, and so like a lot of the times that first day is of my weekend is me sore and mm -hmm. exhausted, and then the second day is me trying to get all the things that I need to get done, like chores and just responsibilities. Wise, that really doesn't leave time for someone to actually relax. And mm -hmm. if you're not actually relaxed on your weekend, you're not doing anything good for your brain. Yeah. It's like, basically two more work days, except you're not at work. Yeah. It's just like, I wish if I could afford it, I would go to four days, but unfortunately I need to work that fifth day. And I also I, think that it's always pushed to work full time, always pushed to be those five days a week. Like, why wouldn't you? But in other parts of the world, some people in their full time is only 32 hours. And I think yeah, that's there's ideal. other countries where they've started doing four day work weeks. And, and they, in those countries, it's worked out incredibly. Productivity goes up. Quality of life goes up. Happiness goes up. Yeah. And nobody really loses out because of it. I know. The other thing I would change um, is this requirement for a firm nine to five schedule. Oh, not gotcha. even like eight hours a day being a problem. Just nine to five. I last year changed my working hours to eight to four. Mm -hmm. And it works um, better for you. It was so much better. I'm sure. I guess, I guess the actual change would be more flexibility with scheduling. Like yeah. if you're expected to work eight hours, then you can work eight hours. It doesn't have to be nine to five. I chose eight to four because I found that I was waking up really early anyway, and then just laying in bed until it was time to leave for work. So I just started going to work early one day and then leaving early. And I saw my productivity increased and so did my quality of life. Like when I was nine to fiving, I would take the train to work in the morning mm -hmm. and it was extremely busy. And so I was standing the whole time. I was uncomfortable. It was really hot. Yeah, And th these are going to be complaints that are specific to me in my situation. But then I would go to work for eight hours and then I yeah. would leave at five. And then I would get onto a train that was even busier mm -hmm. and even more jam-packed and even hotter and even more uncomfortable. Right. And my option was to do that or wait an extra hour mm -hmm. and leave work at six instead, um, which that could have been fine as well. But then I'm getting home at seven o'clock. It's, and it's that hard. doesn't leave any time to you know, do anything cook dinner, you need to do, dinner, clean up, relax. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. um, so I, I tried eight to four because I was already up early and uh, that let me get home just before five o'clock every day. And I suddenly had an entire evening to, you know, cook and eat and play video games or talk to you or do whatever else I wanted to do. Um, so that would, that would be, my two changes is a four day work week and more flexible scheduling. I'm very lucky that my company was like, yeah, 
you know, you, if you want to work eight to four, you can work eight to four as long as you're still getting things done. And, you know, you yeah. don't do something crazy like work seven to three, because then you're not around, you know, for a few hours when other people are working and may need you. But right. You know, if it works no, for it, you, it works for us. Everything is so it's so different from person to person what they require, like whether someone's a morning person or an afternoon person, like I start my workday at 1030. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy for me to wake up later. Whereas if I even if I get a full night's rest, it's so hard for me to wake up by like six to get be there at eight thirty. Mm-hmm. And but then there's also things like, oh, I want I want to make sure my kids get on the bus every day, my like young kids. So I need to come in later, or I want to be home when my kids get home. That means coming in earlier. I think having that adaptability will, in the long run, benefit the company because your employees are happy. They don't feel like, oh, I'm obligated to do my work from this and this, but I'm also obligated to do my role as a parent or to keep make, maintain my health or and things like that. Yeah, I think being obligated to do work is not a great motivator when you no. want somebody to get something done. Right. You know, okay. On some level, you need them to to want what they want, what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah feeling doing something because you're like oh shit this is my job and i have to do it it's i feel like the the quality of work can suffer for that but also like just the the person's mental state suffers from it as well okay i got my last question for you okay and it's actually a question that i absolutely hate but where do you want to see yourself in five years where do you want to be married to you what do you good answer (laughs) that's all you need right (laughs) um it's such a loaded question like it is how do you know where you're gonna be in five years so many things are gonna happen in that time frame like obviously you can it's okay to set goals and to work towards those goals and be like yes this is what i want to do but it's such a loaded question like i think we need a new one a new similar question yeah if this this came up at Okay. It kind of comes up at work every, because at the end of every year we revisit like personal and professional goals. And part of Mm -hmm. it is like, you know, what are some long-term goals? We don't specify five years, but it's like, what do you want to be doing long-term or whatever? And so I've given this exact answer within the past year, but like, if you were to ask me five years ago where I wanted to be in five years, I probably would have said something like working for Facebook. Like working mm-hmm. for this huge company that's being used by everyone across the planet. Right. And that quickly mm-hmm. became an extremely unpopular answer. You know, right. For, for good reason. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think it's a problem that people don't want to work at Facebook anymore. But that's how right. fast that it changes. Is. Like, I don't necessarily want to be working anywhere specific or doing any kind of specific job. My long term goals, which isn't really great from like a planning perspective, because it's hard to like identify this as a target and then come up with a plan for achieving it. But I, in five years, I want to be enjoying what I want to do. And I want to feel like I'm making a difference with what I'm doing. Nice. You know, Those I feel- whether that's in design, development, technology, or like some other industry, we don't know. Right. Like you can't yeah. say that, you know, I want to be doing something entirely different in five years because maybe mm-hmm. that's not true or what is that going to be or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think having Plus, simpler, simpler goals. What you want out of life at 24 versus what you want out of life at 29 are going to be drastically different. That's just your age. It's yeah. Well, and, and the same for like 29 and 34. Yeah. Like who knows what's going to happen then? Well, we'll be married. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> Don't say hopefully. That sounds- no, hopefully we'll be celebrating our four-year anniversary. Yes, well, COVID's got to fuck off for. I know, a right? Bit. <laughs> okay, that's all I got for an interview with Brady Valentino. So uh, we'll be back next time with an interview with Catherine Banks. Are we an interview oh. show now? Oh, I think I would like to be an interview show. I could interview if you want to give it a try. Maybe, yeah, maybe next episode. Should it be next episode or next off topic episode? Maybe next next off topic. Next off topic. Okay, we'll make note of that. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Do we want to give a preview of what our next on topic episode will be? Are we locked in on that yet? Or are we still uh, evaluating? 
you could give a preview. I can't remember what it's supposed to be. <laughs> well, then I'm not going to give a preview. <laughs> Keep it a secret. Okay. We, we got, uh, we got some good stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to write an outro soon. <laughs> like a proper outro. Yeah. Like, thanks for listening to Tremendous, a podcast about plants with Brady Valentino and Catherine Banks. We'll catch you next time, guys. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Booyah. Something like that. Why don't we just use that? There we go. Okay. okay. We're good. Do it again. I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to do it next time? Ooh, I think I really can't remember it. That's what I fine. said. So, something about tuning in. I mean, make sure to rate, comment, subscribe. If we're going to use it, I don't actually need you to do it again. <laughs> I, can just pull it from the <laughs> I just wanted to see if you could wrap it off again. <laughs> no, that's a one-time show here. <laughs>